0: Welcome to First Time Through.
1: New Eyes on Castle Rock.
0: With Kim Payne.
1: And Otto Mullins. I guess they're not like regular, though. They're immune. They're, they're special yeah, somehow. Yeah, they're,
0: they're immune people out there that weren't equipped to deal with, you know, the stand. Care of the stand. Yeah. Weren't equipped to take care of themselves. And. So, yeah, I mean, maybe we didn't need 15 pages of it, but I feel like one sentence wasn't enough either.
1: Okay, one sentence isn't so, enough. So, you know. We can agree there.
0: May- maybe, but maybe somewhere in between.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. We're talking about The Stand again. Uh, we're on part four, chapter, or section four. I keep saying chapter four for our <laughs> podcast, which is a fun, like, little thematic thing if we want to change it to that. But regardless, we're doing chapters 31 through 40. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's, we're, it's This is the start of the second act. Everyone's leaving on their journeys now. Yep. And it's really interesting. A lot of them are getting little friends and partners. Uh, like Stu's friend is, seems really interesting. I'm excited about him. Yep, little, but uh, pretty great. let's just pop right into the recap, right? Yep. So we start chapter 31. And it is uh, – we. Well, I accidentally read this chapter last time. So right, I reread too, it just yeah. for posterity. Posterity. That is
2: <laughs> – ah, posterity. <That's> like...
1: <sighs> okay. So it is about – Christopher Bradenton, who we have heard about in the last uh, Randall Flagg chapter. And it's essentially Randall Flagg coming to pick up the car from him. And you just, oof, it's just more and more of how awful he is. Yes. And just, he's really not good. Yeah. Uh, then we get into a, it's a entire chapter with just Lloyd pretty much we're seeing what's happening to the, what's in prison. Right. You know, anybody that was immune and left in their cages, uh, that's all that's happening. Yes. They're all abandoned. He's locked up and, and
0: immune and abandoned. And he's going because crazy. Because everybody else is dead.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. hmm has this really fun part. I like the rabbit at the end, like um, that the whole illusion oh, yeah. the description Ooh. into that. And then the way he like brings his own pain into being the rabbit. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really well written. I like that a lot. And,
0: and I think it, makes Lloyd...
1: It humanizes him? Yes. It really
0: humanizes him, and that is an important thing.
1: Yeah, because at this point, like, there was a lot of this before this. At this this. point, he's just a killer. Yeah, he was a murderer, and now he's like, oh, like, no murderer. Like, nobody deserves to die like this. Right. This is horrifying. This is gruesome. Yes. It's really sad. And then we go to a Nick Andros chapter, a beautiful deaf-mute best friend, (laughs) and he is literally oh no this is just short little chapter but it's super important because ray booth comes back into town he's right. apparently been hiding and he's right. sick now and he's dying
0: and in case you don't remember ray is the the leader of the group that beat him up he's mm-hmm. the one that had the ring that did the all the, the damage.
1: lsu ring yep right, that, that gave him that crescent serious scar. damage yep. right
0: right and he's the one that they didn't track down he was the sheriff's brother-in-law so he was kind of So, here he is back. He disappeared. He disappeared. And so, now that he's
1: sick, he comes in and he's trying to... I imagine his last thought is, I'm going to get that kid that ruined my life. Like, not only did he ruin my life, and now it's the apocalypse. Like, he would have ruined my life regardless. So, it's like, ha-ha. Then we go into 34, which is a trash can man. Any hatred I had for Franny has now transferred to this man. I despise him. He's... dying. God.
0: Darwin Elbert.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's so... It's just like, he okay. Is,
0: he is a terrible human.
1: He's uh, not a great human. And I think like what's interesting too is it's like, you know, it just goes back to the classic like terrible people come from terrible childhoods. Right. And a terrible childhood comes from a person who is also usually abused. Right. So, like, and,
0: and who doesn't have the ability to break the cycle. You know, just because they had a terrible, terrible childhood doesn't mean they're going to be terrible people. Right. But in this case, he didn't have the equipment to break the cycle and he was bullied and it was terrible. He was he had a terrible childhood and it was just he just was terrible. And so he is a terrible person.
1: Really, all that we get is that uh, we learn a lot about his childhood. We learn about who he is and we learn that he's a firebug and he blows up uh, some uh, oil pipelines outside of his hometown and he he seems pretty content to die in that moment but then all of a sudden he has a vision from a maybe another firebug in the novel and he's like I got to live for some reason now and he just starts running and he and he jumps like 40 feet down right so we get in chapter 35 and it's another it's Larry and Rita And it's pretty much the realization that uh, it's still the apocalypse, guys. And we find out that they've done exactly what we all expected. They've gone into a hotel and they've just had rigorous lovemaking for two days. And eventually she's like, I think we should leave the city. And Larry gets very callous and he's just like, it does kind of start to smell, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And I I realize it's definitely like you just can't acknowledge that. Some really awful stuff. Right. And I will say this is – so far, the scariest chapter for me.
0: It absolutely is.
1: Oh my gosh! When uh so the tunnel,
0: the Ooh. tunnel. Oh, that
1: Lincoln the, 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 tunnel the, the, part was good, and that was the part—the part where I was like, Darby, you actually probably don't want to read this one. Right. And I was like, I, and, I, it wasn't scary, but it's. But it's there's some good parts now. Yeah, <laughs> and I like horror a lot, so it's good yeah. for me. um And so they go, and they decide to leave. They go down. Uh, Manhattan they decide to leave Manhattan by going uh through the Lincoln Tunnel west into New Jersey or mm-hmm. yeah west into New Jersey and then they're going to do a little button hook and head towards Ungonquit Maine he even says it specifically by name so it's like okay and then also later on Franny's saying st- or Harold saying Stovington and then uh Ran- or, well, Randall Stu's saying he's got to walk straight to the ocean so it's like Yay, they're all going to meet. I'm excited. (laughs) Except for Nick. Nick is going to...
0: in the middle of the country. Yeah,
1: he's going to Nebraska still, too. Um, Then, So, Larry... And then they... Basically, they end up getting all their stuff. Him and Rita have a fight. And it's because Rita decided to wear flip-flops in the apocalypse. And to be fair, it is 100% on Rita. All of this is on Rita. And I think it's really fun, though, because obviously, like, it's set up now where we've seen larry be a taker 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 and now he's in a position where someone cannot give him anything except a handicap right so now he's got to be
0: he's got to he's he's got to be he's got to make a choice and either he's got to be the strong person and and take care of her or cut her loose
1: Mm -hmm. and it's really fun because larry's aware of it Mm-hmm. And so it's just constantly that battle of him like, are you going to be a good person or are you going to be a bad person again? Right. And even when he makes bad choices, he can tell himself like, that's a bad choice. So it's fun to watch someone grow like that. Mm-hmm. Another reason why this is Stephen King as a character.
0: Okay, so let's talk about this. Okay. Okay.
1: Do you want to finish the no, recap first, or do you want to go into it? But
0: I, don't let me forget. Right, we'll I'm talk about it because
1: I have. There's an. We'll actually probably talk about it in this chapter because this is the chapter where he talks about the stuff about Tolkien and things and like yeah. relates it to Larry.
0: But then. But, yeah, okay. okay. We're going to come back to that. So
1: then we come back to this, and uh, then they decide they get to the Lincoln Tunnel, which is it's a terrifying part of this book. The way that it's just written is really, really wonderful.
0: And this is one of those – this chapter shows um, how even our main characters that at this point – you know, they've, we've established that these, these people are going to live for a little while at least because mm-hmm. we're getting enough of their story. Oh, yeah. That even they're not prepared for this because they don't take a flashlight to it's, go through
1: them. They go through a sporting goods store. They get guns. <laughs> they get all of these things. They get, they get so tent much food. And, uh,
0: right. Food and all these things.
1: But not a flashlight. But not a
0: flashlight. Because...
1: It's just not something that you would think of in a well, modern why? day world. In a
0: modern day, you know, he, he he maybe he drove in through the Lincoln Tunnel when he was coming to see his mom, and the lights are on. But you just anyway.
1: Personally, I my guess. first thought would have been to go through the bridge because the Lincoln Tunnel sounds like it would be awful and terrifying. Uh, yes, but
0: tunnels, well, <laughs> whatever. <clears throat>
1: so then we get into thirty six, which is a Franny chapter. Yeah. And we learn, we learn basically. Th- go ahead.
0: That Franny took care of Gus.
1: Yeah. You know. and she we, she talked about it a little bit but now we learned like how much of an impact uh, impact it had on her mm-hmm. um and then she goes to pretty much she decides like she we re- find out that Harold's the only one left in town with her right and for sure now for sure for sure it's there's this really like interesting part where she says that she can he- yeah, she can hear his typewriter when it's quiet enough and the wind is blowing just right a mile down the road right so it's very very quiet like no humming not like of electricity right. like well, no the birds electricity, no like no, the
0: refrigerator's not running mm-hmm. there's no cars on the turnpike there's it's just
1: i bet you can see a lot of stars
0: i bet you can <laughs> I bet you can.
1: so she goes to see harold and harold's not doing good and they decide that they're going to go to stovington vermont together because there's a cdc uh outpost there and uh, and, and
0: Franny has the hope that they will find somebody.
1: An authority. An
0: authority. Yeah. And Franny's
1: definitely just really wanting someone else to save her in this situation. She's, right. Uh, she's,
0: she's overwhelmed.
1: She's very overwhelmed. And she's keeps forgetting that she's pregnant. She doesn't tell Harold. No one. She hasn't told Harold at all, like anything.
0: Well, and, and I think that she's early on, so...
1: It's not showing. She, it's
0: not showing. So she doesn't feel like she has to yet. Mm-hmm. And and that's just – she knows that that's going to add a layer of complication to things. So
1: Yeah. And so they go and they gather up stuff and supplies to leave. They're going to take mopeds, which is a pretty like, smart mm-hmm. idea. Right. Um, and then they're going to uh, paint a big sign on a barn that comes into town that basically says that we're going to Stovington. Here's the directions how to get there in case anyone wants to hunt us down, Randall Flagg. And we're leaving uh, Ogonquit on this date, exactly. And yeah. here's the two people that you're going to want to hunt down.
0: Yeah. It's, and now it's July 2nd.
1: And we know that book one ends it on July, on July 4th. 5th. Right. So that's interesting. It's coming up soon. It's also been 10 days, then, I think, right? The 28th, or no. It's it started the, start been the 22nd. Okay.
0: 16 days because it was 18, the first section is 18 days
1: okay um
0: leading up to july 4th so we're on day 16
1: yep and they head out of town
0: <clears throat>
1: and, well they get a little phonograph and then they like listen to some yeah, records they and listen they,
0: to some records they have uh it's a nice little something. humanistic
1: moment yeah, of just like yeah. the the calm before the storm right you know the dwarves singing before the adventure right
0: well and because it's you know it's late in the afternoon and they want to get an early start so that they can actually make progress. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, then we get into this stew chapter, and I realized too, like after I had read that chapter with Larry, that we read about a hundred pages in this section, mm-hmm. but that section with Larry is like forty-six pages long. It is. Or it's so long, it and is it's long. it's a lot of stuff. It is. And I realized that, like, once I got through that, I was like, wow, I'm already almost done with this section for the day, and it's because, like, I just tore up that Larry section. It, mm-hmm. it was just so compulsive to read. It is. I could not stop.
0: It is. There's, it was a, really there's a lot of got in that
1: chapter. Mm-hmm. Especially once he just like, all right, I guess I'm not scared enough to go in that Lincoln tunnel. You're like, all right, I guess I have to keep reading then. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Um, then we get into Stu and this is a really great chapter. Um, we meet uh, Kojak, 10 out of 10 character already, which yeah. is uh, the puppy. The dog. <laughs> I'm really sad. I know he's going to die and I'm so not ready for and, it.
0: Well, and, uh, you know, this is an important spot to fe- to point out that Kojak is immune. Immune. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and they talk about it a lot in this too. Yeah, there like, was some. Bateman's really smart and clever. He's really putting together some observations. He
0: is. Well, yeah, Glenn is. Yeah, we mean Glenn Bateman in this chapter, and he is a sociology professor. Mm-hmm. Professor. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, so he's he's got some. Ideas
1: and uh, so, Stu's just walking around the highway, and he sees this man painting with a puppy, and he ends up sitting there talking to him. They have a couple of beers, and Bateman ends up telling him that pretty much is just spouting off like, "This is pretty much the world now, and here's what I think is going to happen: either like we're all going to end up under a dictator, or we're all going to end up in a perfect utopia. There's right. no in between. No in between. And I mean." He says this part where he's talking about uh, the world needs an enema during every new century. And he says, of course, it's happening now. We're approaching a whole new millennium. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, Stephen King definitely fed into that Y2K fever, oh, didn't yeah, he? he did. oh, like, yeah, that he did. helped a lot. And,
0: and, and remember, he wrote this in the 70s. Yeah, so he, I know. I mean, he was way ahead of his time there.
1: Uh, and they end up just deciding uh, to go back to uh, Glenn's house which is west or east still towards mm-hmm. the ocean they go back and stew oh we forgot to earlier in Nick's chapter he had a dream that we'll talk about too like yeah. the dreams are getting really important and they're 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 easily my favorite part every single time
0: I think Nick's dream is in his last he has a dream in the first one about okay. the
1: walking man and then oh, he has right, the right, mother right. abigail right. dream yep. um and I, then, I
0: finished reading this several weeks ago. I just kind of breezed through the chapters again this morning, and I I missed that when I was
1: – That's why I like to read, like, these three, like, right at the mm-hmm. end, right before we start. <laughs> um, and then he – Stu has a really interesting dream about him running through the ha- hallways of the hospital again, but then it morphs into a uh, black and red motif uh, transforming uh, hallway, essentially. And black and red transforming motif is something we're about to see literally in two chapters. Right. and so then we see randall flag essentially like it, he never says Randall Flag anymore because it's the character that doesn't know what the name of that person is. So he just describes him, but we, the reader, but we know, the reader
0: know that it's 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 Randall, right? And the Dark Man or the Walking Dude. Everybody's, mm-hmm. everybody's going to have a name for yeah. him. Yeah,
1: and he says Heaven and Earth, all Heaven or work, and then Stu wakes up, and that's the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Then we get into chapter thirty-eight, which is the useless chapter, in my opinion. Well, uh, and
0: yeah, it, it's just
1: kind of useless and like you just
0: it's drawn out i feel like it's important to know that you know the characters that we've met are not the only people that are immune but this chapter is all about the secondary deaths associated with does it make sense if
1: i would have rather have heard all of this from a character's point of view and someone telling that character I i would have rather heard like some of these stories like when they get to like a place with more people and they can be like oh yeah no i know this kid who i found a dead body in the bottom of a whale with broken legs well
0: maybe but that would imply that our main characters have come into contact with these people and we know that it's pretty unusual for
1: they're pretty open about how they are not seeing anyone else
0: exactly and so i feel like this is kind of reciprocal to the the news chapter in the last section like what was that chapter 26 well, with guess, all the different news and stories. the way that the
1: news is worldly this is personal yeah and so, and so okay. i feel
0: like this is kind of a compliment to that chapter um that was what's going on big picture wise this is what's going on for other individuals who were immune but didn't have the equipment for whatever reason to survive
1: mm-hmm. uh so.
0: But yeah, there's there's a lot. It's it's like a lot of pages, and we don't necessarily need all of it. But I think it's important to know that it happened.
1: Okay. Then we get into chapter thirty nine. Uh, also, though, really quick, the way that like at every single line of it, it was like no great loss. Yeah. It that was like heartbreaking because it's like I could have just right. been that person. That like realistically, that probably would have been any like regular like one of us that wasn't chosen by Randall or Mother Abigail.
0: Right. I mean, and and. You know, there's already so much loss. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not a great
1: loss when just one more is dead. Right. Like 300 million have died, and one more.
0: And one more, right.
1: And it goes back to what we were talking about, you know? One death at the very beginning of the book, that first car crash. It's monumental. It's amazing. It's so impactful. Now we have an entire chapter of just these six people dying, and none of them are more than a page and a half long. Right. No great loss. No great loss. 39, okay, incredible. Such a good chapter. Ugh. Uh, Lloyd is in prison going crazy crazy He's basically a skeleton man at this point He's gone like starving He's
0: he's locked up in the middle of a Worldwide super flu That is killing everybody And he's locked in a cage
1: And he was convinced someone was going to save him So he ate all of his food really quickly Right. And uh, no one came to save him Surprise surprise So he sees his cellmate next door Just kind of being there dead And he starts like Hmm. I'm going to eat him and, uh,
0: and he's like, no, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am.
1: And but we'll see. He pretty much tries to get the body over to him. And he's like, just in case, though, but I'm not going to. But right. just in case, just I just want you to case. be closer to me. Right. And he, we get this interesting like just his mind's gone it's gone and so he's just going between like the people in charge have the key and if they have the key that then they get to be free but because they have the key they get to tell me that i don't get to free be free Mm -hmm. and unless i'm able to like go and kill them and obtain the key i'll never be free and then randall flag uh out of nowhere just kicks in the door at the prison is like heidi ho anyone home (laughs) and then he's like turns out i have a key and you can have this key Mm -hmm. and he needs it like, all right, I love you, and like that's let's perfect. Go get some dinner. <laughs> and then, yeah, and now I'll go feed you some chocolate milk and French fries. Right. And it's like Lloyd just—it's truly really the and same. And now here. Lloyd belongs to him. Oh yeah. In that moment, like he could have done anything, mm-hmm. and like it would have been like, yep, you're cool, you're my, you're my best friend, you're my lover, like whatever you want. I will do anything at all for you mm-hmm. ever
0: because you just saved
1: me. Oh yeah, especially because really he was about death. to die, die. Yes. Like he got remorse from that rabbit that he got killed when he was like seven, like. That's when you know, like, you're at the end of your, like, life, life as yeah. a character. Well, I mean, you probably don't know as a character, but as a reader. As a reader. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we get to chapter 41. No, 40. 40. Not 41. I just skipped ahead. You
0: skipped a whole chapter, man. I and did. it's a Nick chapter. It's a good chapter, too. It is a good chapter.
1: And it wasn't on purpose. It was just the book.
0: 368. You Thank
1: know. you. And then we get into 40, which is a Nick chapter. Mm-hmm. And... Nick is – it's not really him moving or doing anything. It's him laying in bed thinking about how he's blind in one eye now. And right, then because
0: Ray pushed assaulted his, him again. Yeah, yeah.
1: When Ray came and attacked him and he pushed him off and killed him, Nick uh, Ray had pushed his thumb into his eye. I don't think we right. said that earlier and just twisted it around. And he also uh, – Nick had shot himself in the leg slightly. And we'll talk right. about that a little like, bit yeah, more. Yeah,
0: grazed his leg. And that's important. Cause- so
1: Nick is just sick and he's not doing well. And he's got penicillin and he's got everything that he needs. He's just trying to, like, survive it at this point.
0: Right. He's trying to survive until the infection
1: goes away or
0: kills him. You know, he's just trying. One or the other at this point.
1: He's done everything he can.
0: Right. But at least, you know, he's in a secure place because he's still in
1: the police station.
0: Right. He's still in Shoyo. He's still in the the police station. I mean, he's got the the, uh, truck stop to go get some or diner to go get some food. But... it's dark now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the electricity went off. So, you know, things are starting to get a little sketchy for him. So he's really worried, you know, am I going to survive this?
1: In Larry's chapter, I think, they made it really like – the lights all of a sudden went off in New yeah. York and it was like real spooky and like it was a good moment there too. Yeah. Um, we do have uh, – and then – so Nick is going in and out and he's having fitting full sleep and then he has a really incredible dream. It's yes. really important and really telling. It pretty much is like – Nick is the Oracle in this book. He's the prophecy giver because he's now he's almost blind. He's deaf. He's mute. He can't give those things out to the world. So of course he's the one that's going to have the secret information that he can't give out. So he's got to take all of these things and just internalize them and figure out how to become the savior for everyone without asking for help, essentially. And randall flag comes and he's like if you wanted i could help you like see and like sing and like Mm -hmm. everything you want and nick's he's like you just got to give me all everything you just got to become mine and nick's like no that's cool i'm good and then mother abigail appears and he's she's like i'm just singing a song if you want to come see me that'd be cool i'd love to see you come visit me i live at this place i don't move much i'm 108
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: then that's the end
0: well, and of and this section. Well, well and then Nick leaves. Nick leaves, leaves Shoyo, so he he gets healed up. He gets some food together. Pedals out of town. And on it says July third.
1: That's what I was about to say. It says the evening uh, on nightfall on July fourth, he was nearly in Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. it's like we're getting to the end of book one. I feel like something like big, like either like a big meeting of people or something is going to happen soon. Yeah. And that's everything we read this week. That is. Hey, constant listeners. Your third favorite constant talker here, Otto Mullins. I just wanted to give a small update, quick shout-out, and a giant thank you. After just passing our 10th episode, it really feels like we're starting to understand exactly what we want to do, how we're going to do it, and how fantastic it truly can be. And that's because of you. Thank you for choosing and listening to our podcast. It really means the world to us, and we hope that one day we can truly show you that. We've got a lot of feedback, hoping to hear about what we were going to be reading next, so that way you, our dedicated listeners, can be reading along, reading ahead, and being prepared for what we have coming out. So, without further ado, the next book to be read after the stand is... The Gunslinger, also by Stephen King. Surprise, surprise. So, if you haven't yet, go out there, pick up your favorite copy of The Gunslinger. Let's see... Why why are you throwing guns when you could just shoot the bullets? These are the big questions, Steve. Let's find out. Kim and I are really, really excited about everything that we've been doing here first time through. And, to be honest, we couldn't do it without Don Payne, Paula Rager, and Brad Elliott. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you haven't yet, please make sure to check out our Patreon shop. Coming soon with some new updates and even some exclusive merch now that Kim got a cricket for Christmas. If you get the chance today, can you do Kim and I a favor and show this podcast to someone out there? Thank you. And now, enjoy the rest of The Stand Part 4. Still have no idea what they're standing for. Oh man, this is going to be the last time Kim lets me do this unscripted without her. Especially without her. So, okay, into some analysis, uh, just overall, though, probably my favorite section, I think, so far, well, Randall Flagg's introduction was really good. Yes, that but chapter, as far as,
0: like, the overall- uh, Ten
1: chapters, this is probably this the, best is the best so, so far. far. Like, easily, like, the Lincoln Tunnel, the Nick Dreams, the Stew meeting his friend, the painter friend, mm-hmm. Kojak. Yeah. Mm. Um. And we start there's off a with, lot of
0: really good things that happen. Oh, yeah. There's some crazy things too, but there's a lot of good things that happen in this section.
1: So we start off with chapter 31, and that is our main man, Randall Flagg. Um, but it's through the eyes of Christopher Bradenton, which is fun. So essentially you just get to simultaneously read about how this man is dying, while also, mixed right. in, see the past of how he knows Randall Flagg.
0: Right, right. So you yeah.
1: get a little bit of Randall Flagg, you get a little bit of Bradenton,
0: yeah, so he's sick. He's got the flu, mm-hmm. but he's not dead yet. He's hanging on and it's 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 ugly. I mean he's it's not delusional well. and he's having like flashbacks and crazy memories and
1: And he comes into Bradenton's house and he has a bucket of water and he yells, Heow and he throws the water on him and like this man is just a he's chaos so, entity. Yeah. Like and Bradenton just barely alive
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he's wakes up somehow uh, and he's like, ah, oh, I knew they'd Cool you off. I'll help you now. And he's like, do you have my car and everything ready? And he's like, yeah, like I just, uh, uh, uh and he's like, where's my papers? Like, and all that stuff. He has no care. He doesn't care this man dying or sick or anything. Right. He's like, did you get the thing done that I asked though? Right. Like, good luck dying. Um, and well, then,
0: and, and Bradenton knows him as Richard Fry. Mm hmm. So.
1: And he says, well, I don't, he gives him new papers under the name of Randall Flagg. Mm-hmm. And we know that, it, I think, Randall Flag is probably his, like the real name that Steven gives him, right? Well,
0: I don't know, maybe.
1: Maybe? Hmm. I
0: mean, it, it's a name that carries through. How about that? Okay. Um, It's a name you'll see again as we proceed. But- the
1: Dark One or The Walking Dude. Yeah.
0: This
1: is, this is like The Walking Dude. Is that one often said? Um. Because no. I feel like that's the silliest one, and I wish that, like, in the middle of the Dark Tower, all of a sudden it's going to say, and then the walking dude started strolling by. <laughs> no, I
0: don't, I don't remember that in those books.
1: That makes and sense. It's only
0: been like a year and a half since I read. It does them, not so. feel
1: like much of a uh, more of a sci fi fantasy thing. It, it definitely feels more like a
0: yeah
1: a western apocalyptic thing. Yeah, um, and that's what this really feels like. So he ends up getting the uh, car and he heads off to the west. Yeah. And it's just more of the way Randall Flagg was before. Um, I'm really excited going forward that he has Lloyd now on his yeah. side because he's gonna have people to bounce things off. So it's not just gonna be him in his head like having all these wild like monologues. Right. Like I'm really excited to like hear like some thought processes and like well, and where from
0: another someone... perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From an outside perspective. Yeah.
1: So it'll be really fun and interesting too. Yeah, like, and
0: there's not I mean that that chapter the is. The weird just... thing
1: about go ahead
0: another you know this is the progress that the the walk-in dude is making
1: i think another like interesting thing about these the randall flag chapters almost give you nothing to like hypothesize and like guess over about like what's going to happen they're very stark straightforward this is what's happening
0: right and And there's not a whole lot of room for
1: Mm-hmm. it really makes me feel like randall's not like really planning much ahead he's he's really living in the moment and he's just like i think i'm gonna go over here and he like gets these dreams and he's like oh there's like a deaf mute blind kid in arkansas like i wonder if i can convince him now too right and, well, i
0: mean that's yeah
1: um and it, like that's maybe that's just how i think it's fun that steven shows us that kind of thought process in him right because i
0: don't think chaotic people plan no
1: they can't and then we get, yeah. So oh, I feel like gosh, this, Lloyd this Lloyd chapter is a, it's a rough one. So we yeah, get into Lloyd. So he is stuck in prison,
0: and not everybody's dead yet.
1: There's one other man. It seems to be alive in prison, yeah. and he's just screaming for his mom.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: no way to humanize a prisoner more than to have them screaming for their mother until right. their last breath.
0: And, you know, and Lloyd, and of course that's making Lloyd just crazy oh it's not helping that's for sure shut up shut up and
1: he's eating all of his food at this point you
0: know he 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 tried i mean and this is where i think that it's important to see that again lloyd's not a super smart guy um and he's not smart at all but he he at least is a little bit of a planner because you know you talk about that you know his trial got pushed back so um great so he's not on a fast track to death row because all the judges are dead. Um, <laughs> but you know he does try to hoard some food and keep back part of his food, but he doesn't have the self control to not eat it. He he hoarded it some, but he didn't make it last. Of course, I mean he's probably he not only getting got a whole like lot two anyway. meals to like right. save
1: up with too, so he right. didn't get a ton of like opportunity. And it's.
0: You know, and at least, you know, so far, the lights are still coming on and going off like mm-hmm. they're supposed to. So the electricity's still on there for him. Um, Except that, you know, there's nobody to open the, the gate.
1: The gate. There's, no, so one there's like, no one to bring him food. There's no
0: one to bring him food. There's just a
1: dead man next to him decomposing.
0: And the lights are going on and off.
1: And all Lloyd can think about is how he's starving to death.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, I really like the use of, uh, I will say one thing about this entire novel so far is the chapter page breaks these they're really well done like in this one they're really really well done it they just always connotate a good skipping of time or a mm-hmm. good like tedious task being done or a a transferring of a scene or they were
0: good in misery too you just didn't like how short they were they were well well done to portray the point of
1: the character and i see that but you didn't like it (laughs) story-wise these ones are much better okay (laughs) and i can see what your point is uh and he goes to sleep he wakes up and the mother crier's dead and uh he throughout all of this he's been just on his knees, trying to oh. get the uh, the, cot leg bolt off.
0: Off the, the bolt
1: the cot off legs. of the legs off of the floor, and he's pretty much like ruined his fingers trying to do that. But he got it off, and now that he's got it off, he goes through the bars onto his uh, cell, like the cell next door, mm-hmm. and he pulls the rat next over to him, and he grabs it by the tail, and he puts it under the bed next to what's left of his food, and he says, "Just in case for later, just in case." Right. And then he climbed up on the bed and just cried Mm -hmm. and that is i think really interesting to see how far down lloyd has to be broken to agree to work with randall flag to not only like agree to work with him but to love him
2: right i mean yeah because i mean he really does and we
1: see it later on in a little bit we'll see like nick deny him like give him the thing he wants more than anything in like existence like be able to hear and see and and talk And Nick still says no. Right. So, like, the fact that I wonder what it would have taken for Lloyd to say no. Like, if, if, or if Lloyd would have just said no, yes, in the first place when he was first in prison, Mm -hmm. you know, or did he have to be beaten down like that all the way to starvation and about to die?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's.
1: It makes me think he would not. He would have said yes immediately because of the way he uh, reacted to Poke the moment that that there's like.
0: And, you know, I don't think he would have seen Randall as the guys in charge mm-hmm. because I don't remember if we <gasps> talked about it, but
1: I just had a really good idea,
0: but he met poke in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, he's, he's a, a repeat it's repeating offender. The cycle again it's of meeting another the, right. person
1: in prison to help him do worse things, right. make him worse and worse and worse. As he's gotten older, he's just kind of pro- slowly progressed and right. escalated. I was going to say it's also really interesting, too, that we have that Lloyd chapter and then we have the Nick chapter because I think they're going to end up being kind of our paragons. We're going to see Lloyd be the paragon of, like, darkness, essentially, and Nick's, like, the paragon of light, you know, like, the justice. He's immediately the first one to say no, and he's in a police sheriff's office, Mm -hmm. and he's, like, you know, immediately been – the moment that he was able to help with the good hand of the law, he did it immediately. Right. And – lloyd the moment that he's like you can destroy the system he's like yep i'm in let's do it immediately so it's fun that we are just opposing those two characters constantly yeah um yep and so then we get into 33 with nick like we were talking about and this chapter is very short but the first first little thing and every single time like all of our main characters have been constantly having dreams about randall now yeah. And so, every single one of them are just like, ah, oh, there's like a walking man, he's coming for me, coming for me, the corn, and like, they're not sleeping well anymore.
0: Right, and and the very first line of this chapter is at 22 minutes of 9, by the clock over the sheriff's office doorway, the lights went off. So, he's without power, he's in this sheriff's office, and he's having these nightmares mm-hmm. about this walking man dude, coming, this for dark it. man coming for him. This He's, he's having nightmares. Um...
1: And so he's just sitting there in the office thinking about if he should get the candles. He was reading a book. And uh, the way that – I really love the way Steve wrote this because it's just so casually like all of a sudden he's being attacked. Right. Because that's how it is for Nick. He's sitting there. He's like, hmm, should I go outside and try and look or should I go and do this thing? And then out of nowhere, hands are around his neck and he's being choked out.
0: Right. I and mean, Because it doesn't matter if Ray made noise coming in. Nick, Nick can't, can't hear it. Him. He got behind him. And so it was a surprise attack, ambush.
1: And the way that like Steve really – it's really – to go back to misery again. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that we would have those – sounds interrupt Paul's thinking Mm -hmm. so it's fun to see like when you can't hear like those interruptions like you're trying to talk and just go 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 right um, until someone puts their hands around your neck and starts to choke you out yeah yeah so, uh, Nick immediately starts to turn and Ray shoves his eye or his thumb into his eye and he starts like twisting it around a little bit. Nick goes to grab at the gun and the gun goes off in his pants and shoots down his leg and he gets about a 10 inch scar down the side of his thigh. Um, like a
0: graze. I mean, it, he doesn't graze, shoot, he doesn't shoot himself like through, through the it. leg. It just grazes goes, it like a surface. He didn't get it out of straight. the holster. Right, he it fired it in the
1: holster yeah. and it went just straight down to the ground. Um. And eventually, he's able to get it out, and uh, I think he, like, kicks him or something first. I kind of listen, I'm going to first scream. Oh no! He just shoots him. Right. He he's on top of him, he, yeah, and he's got his thumb and the in his eyes. Yeah. on his
0: side, pulled the trigger, and the gun made a muffled whoomp, which Nick felt. And the gun, the. Uh, he saw a brief muzzle flash and then smelled the gunpowder. But, of course, he didn't hear the gunshot. He it's, hear, it's fun it's, to see
1: how he uses the senses correctly. Right. Like, very consistently, too.
0: Yeah. He really well, takes
1: the time to make sure that he's writing Nick in that consistent tone.
0: And it, I think it's good to show – I mean, like, I've shot guns before. Now, I've never shot a gun in the dark, so I don't know if I would see a muzzle flash if I imagine I imagine you'd see a big one. But I, I mean, I might. But, you know, Nick is deaf and mute. So his sense of sight has got to be a lot better because that's his primary um, method of getting information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he for sure sees it. And I think that that's it's cool that he made sure to highlight the fact that his senses that do work properly were in tune. He saw the muzzle muzzle flash and he smelled the gunpowder. And so, you know,
1: it's good writing. Like from that point of view, it's really well done. Um, I think one like really thing I like character wise about this is after Nick kills him, he goes into the bathroom and he's just looking at his eye and he gets so mad at Ray. He goes back into the other room and he kicks him and he says, are you happy now? You've taken my eye now that blah. blah." And as soon as he kicks him, he does nothing but feel bad. It's immediate remorse. And it's, like, that's the type of character that, like, I'm talking about. Paragon of Justice. Mm -hmm. Like, the immediately you feel remorse in that moment of vengeance. It's not ten minutes later. It is, like, immediately, like, I should not have done that. I'm so sorry. Like, you're apologizing to a dead body. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Love, Nick. No, he's so good. And then we get into Chapter 34, the trash can man, who is here.
0: Who is not a good person. No, he's a terrible person. He's terrible. And,
1: you know... It sucks because, you know, you'll read so many stories yeah. of bad people and then they try to humanize them by giving this terrible childhood. But at the end of the day, like that terrible childhood doesn't change the actions that you as a human being make.
0: Right. And I mean, he he was dealt a crap hand from the beginning and didn't and just quite frankly didn't have the equipment to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then it was made worse by the fact that you know, his father was killed by the local sheriff, who then married his mother. Who, who that was then, a little, yeah, 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 really weird. And then, you know, he lit the church on fire. So um his now stepdad put him in um, juvie in a psychiatric juvenile facility where they gave him electroshock therapy so i mean it <laughs> it all he takes place
1: was, in indiana and they like yeah. did the electroshock therapy in, in Terre Haute, Hote. which is like 45 minutes from it's where like we two hours, from, two hours hour. from where we are and like <laughs> i know how time works it's like two hours from <laughs> here and i thought that was just fun to like be like oh yeah. that's fun interesting horror novel um and essentially we learned that he's just been a homeless man staying in this town for so long now that he's just a staple almost and people drive by and make fun of him from everything that he's done in the past and after everyone dies he Yeah, I mean
0: it's, it, that that's important. You know, we need to make note of the things that they make fun of him for. You know, why didn't you burn down the school instead of the church? What did old lady simple have to say when you burned up her pension check? Cause he set a fire in her mailbox and it burned up her pension check.
1: want to buy some kerosene.
0: want to buy some kerosene. It's, none of you them know? are
1: particularly saying like you've done bad things. They're just like, they're just making, making fun, fun of him. him. And, like,
0: and he's not equipped to deal with that. No.
1: Um, and he, he got had, his like,
0: name because you know he started lighting fires and trash cans. Mm-hmm. It all started with lighting fires and trash cans. That's why he's the trash can. Man.
1: And I really think that one thing that's interesting about this chapter is that sliding perspective that Steve talks about that he loves to use and just sliding in and out of like the current like him walking up to the tankers mm-hmm. and then like him being back in, in time memories. in his memories mm-hmm. and then also being yelled at by the ghost at the same time. Like right. he slides in between all three of those yeah. things so fluently. And fluidly. I think it's
0: really important that that we notice that because it needs to show how just unstable he is. Yeah, His he's mind not. He does not have a
1: clear train of thought at, not all. at all. There's no conscious connections there. You know,
0: but he, you know, what we do know that is not um, doesn't change at all is that he's a pyromaniac.
1: What we do know for sure is that this is Randall's next target. I mean, yeah <laughs> I okay. think like that's where I'm going at right now yeah, like I'm gonna
0: go with that's probably pretty if obvious. I'm Randall Flagg <laughs> and I'm
1: recruiting a team of evil people I'm also coming after the trash Man to blow up more uh, oil tankers because he obviously doesn't care if he blows himself up right. and that like that kind of kamikaze style mm-hmm. is one of like a very defining character trait for him as well no, the thought that he goes all the way up to the top. He has a g- can of gas can just in case there isn't enough gas inside of the gas tanker. Well, it's
0: an oil tanker. It's an oil tank. Oh, okay. So he needs uh, an immediate catalyst. He needs something that's going to immediately catch on fire to get the oil hot enough to –
1: so he ends up pouring the gas and then he throws it off the side and he just lights it right up there on top, like a hundred something feet up. Right. And then as soon as he catches on fire, he's like, man. Oh,
0: I I'm don't think say. I want
1: Yeah, He's like, this is cool. I don't think I want to die yet. And he just starts running. Right. <laughs> it's like, ah, okay. I really feel like this is the first chapter and then 38 also when we get into like the uh, – and the big, like, go around of like other random people dying mm-hmm. is like, I was like, this needs to be cut a little bit. Yeah. I feel like this would have been, the trash can man would have just been so much more interesting to just been like a really vague, mysterious character named the trash can man that lit fires. And I feel like he might be that way in the abridged novel then.
0: Uh, maybe a little bit, but I think that it's also important to know where he comes from when we get into the, further into the story. The, these things may not seem important now but this is where that book slapper comes into play there are some of these things yes maybe some of this could have been cut but there are some of these things you need to know now because of things that happen later. okay well okay? I think that so <laughs> one
1: thing that's been pretty clear too um is uh man what was I about to say one thing that's been pretty clear too is that Randall has a way of like Appealing to those, like, base desires that you're just thinking about, too. Like, you know, with Lloyd, he had that key immediately. And so a trash can man will probably be, like, influenced with that kind of stuff as well, too. So it's important to know it then. Yes. Uh, yes. And essentially, besides all of that, he blows up the oil tankers. And it's, you know, it's it's a really long, drawn-out scene of it. Ka-wham.
0: Yeah, I mean, it... it- we get a description of every single one of the tanks going up and, and the stench of gasoline. Filling and him the running and for him so running long. Away and, um, you know, the cinder block raining down and just. How yeah. close he came to How dying so many, to many times. Dying. yeah, And it's, I think that's important too. You know, he should have died with this. Oh, but yeah. But he didn't.
1: He did not for a reason. Yeah, And mm-hmm. so then
0: he's like, uh, he turned his eyes north toward Gary. He could see it now. His great stack standing quiet and blameless. You know, he he's blown up his, the oil tankers in his hometown and now he's looking up the road. Okay. He's like, hopefully it can go that level. far. Or do
1: I have to go up there and make sure it gets that far? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now,
0: you know, I'm just going to burn up the whole place.
1: I like this last line of the... Uh, chapter where it says they were the eyes of a man who has discovered the great axle of his destiny and has laid his hands upon it it's very <laughs> just prophetic almost it's yeah, really wonderful it uh and then we get into chapter 35 which is this like humongous yeah, chapter it's but it's really it's worth there's it there's a lot of information it's good. in this chapter, and it's a larry chapter and like we would said with it's with rita um i think Now that we're in a section with Larry where he is not constantly thinking about L.A., Mm -hmm. I just kind of realized that he doesn't not stop thinking about the things that happened two days ago. Like, that's just who he is. He dwells in it. And I think that that's even more of a relatable thing that I realized about Larry, too, is, like, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, well, why do you keep thinking about this? It doesn't mean anything. And it's like, oh, well, that's who he is. Like, now he's only going to be thinking about, like, the monster shouter in the park, and he's only going to be thinking about Rita and, like, the things he said to her and, like, that's all he can dwell on now not even those things in the past matter anymore because he's done even more recent things that are even worse yeah
0: he's like that was bad i but i can't this is bad i gotta deal with this and yeah i mean the the relationship with relationship with rita is really weird you know it's like He's taking care of her. She's taking care of him. Um, He's a lot. She's a lot. Codependent. It's super codependent. It's really not not a healthy relationship. Well, remember, she's still eating all those pills, too. mm -hmm.
1: And you can tell that, like, based on the way that she reacts to Larry, she was beaten in her last relationship and, like, expects to be beaten at 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 every turn.
0: Abused of of some of
1: some sort. And so every time that Larry doesn't beat her, she's just like, oh, my God. This is surprising. And then every time that, like, she's like that, Larry gets mad because he's like, why do you think I would beat you? Right. And so, you know, it's it's going great for their relationship. And then they decide, let's take a big, long road trip together. (laughs) And it's interesting because the way that he tells this story is about. Larry at the dinner table thinking back to yesterday when everything was happening.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: he's sitting there thinking about it because since yesterday is when Rita has changed. Right. When they went out to the park and they saw that the monster shouter mm-hmm. was stabbed multiple times and dead. And
0: beat up. And yeah, just.
1: Ugh. And it wasn't so the sickness. That's right, the no, thing that sh- yeah, they realized. Yeah, it was realize.
0: absolutely not super flu. Flues
1: do not stab nobody. No. <laughs> nope. No,
0: he was obviously, there are obviously other people alive mm-hmm. in the city.
1: And it's just, she has that realization that nobody's going to stop that person from just going out there and stabbing more people.
0: Right. Because there are no cops anymore. Nobody's going to stop anybody. Right.
1: And if there was a cop, they're not going to, like, that's not going to be a <laughs> that's priority. That's not going to be their priority. Yeah. Uh, I really like this. Okay. So we'll get into this a little bit before they get into leaving, ta- like, the apartment and doing everything. Because these are the moments that make me think that this is Stephen King. Because he has this. What I know of Stephen King is that he enjoys the the classics and the such. You know, the, your mm-hmm. Chaucers, your Yorks, your whatever's. But he also is way more into the Tolkien aspect, the C.S. Lewis, that kind of aspect. That's what he liked about reading, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah.
0: He he was absolutely. He's an English major right so he's read a lot of things and yes he had his his favorites and and tolkien was a big inspiration for him Chaucer. so
1: the reason that i bring up tolkien is because at one point in here specifically in this chapter rita makes fun of people that read tolkien and then larry goes i think tolkien's pretty amazing personally and it really was like okay Okay, sure, Stephen King. At least, if nothing else, that is him inserting his opinion on, like, people that are, like, Tolkien isn't up there with, like, Chaucer or Shakespeare. Like, if you read Tolkien, you're just basically reading young adult fiction. Right. And he's saying, no. You're a nerd. You're, you, it's like, you suck. Like, yeah. go, like, learn how to read better. And... It's the same thing with like classical music because I really like this part where he talks about uh, Debussy and he says uh, if you're going to go with classical music you need to go whole hog. I want some Beethoven or some Mozart, something that's mm-hmm. going to make me feel foreboding and sad. And I'm like, that's how I feel about classical music as well. That makes sense <laughs> right? to me. I don't yeah. want some light piano stuff. Um, but there's just those small allusions to the way that he treats art and the way that he thinks about art mm-hmm. that really made me draw even more allusions to Stephen well, King
0: and and so. I was thinking about this in the week since we recorded last and I that's a thing that I hadn't really thought about in all the times I've read this. I can't I but it just wasn't a thing that my brain went to. Mm-hmm. But then I got to thinking about it and there's a little bit of him in all the characters. You think so? Absolutely. Okay, so uh he and Tabitha had their first child before they got married.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Okay, so that's a you know, so that's where his tie to Franny is, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, young, unwed, and and in the you know late sixties, early seventies, it was still pretty taboo, right? Um, so that's where he has a connection to Franny. His dad left when he was two, so he went to work pretty young. He worked in a laundry. He had to work his way through college. He worked hard to get where he is.
1: So Stu. So
0: that's where his connection to Stu is.
1: Hmm. That's fun, so, so anyway, just it's just different facets of every like, and I feel yeah. like if you really analyze most writing, it probably is that case and most characters are different facets of person's personality or personality I, and I, I mean, we even talked about it in misery where we personified Annie as his addiction to cocaine right and right
0: and and Paul as his you know escape
1: his, his psyche, his escape, his mm-hmm. attempt to like overcome so, it,
0: so I think that I think that we'll see that in a lot of things if we look at it through that lens, we'll see his personality come through in a lot of things.
1: I think those things are the reason why we talk about why we like his characters so much and Mm -hmm. why his character development is so worthwhile. It's because he takes the time to put a little piece of himself in every single one of them and he cares more about them. So that way he makes sure that they're just as real to him as they are to us.
2: Yes. I agree.
1: Really, really well done. I agree. Um, And then one little part here. So getting back into it, they start planning on like how they're going to leave New York and they decide to go through the Lincoln tunnel and then there's just a really part part where he's like, we could go to, like, Maine. You know, Ungunquit, Maine. You know, that right. random town everybody knows about Apparently, in Maine. Yeah. Ungunquit. Ungunquit, uh, maybe. I'm not sure exactly how to say it. I just feel like I'm saying it the same way, just different. Um, and Rita's definitely overdosing over here. Uh,
0: yeah, well, I mean, and she's not eating. We've established that she's not eating. They go and they get their supplies. And, you know, she she... Puts on sandals. <laughs> Instead of, and, and this is, she's a city girl. She's an, or she's a city woman. She's an older woman. She's probably never gone hiking. Right. You know, her idea of hiking is probably taking a short walk in Central Park. And so, <laughs> you know, that's fine. So wear sandals for that. So she's probably never been the kind of person that had to think about, oh, I need socks and, you know, heavy socks and, and shoes that are solid and, and. And Larry's so focused on other things that he doesn't pay attention to that and it's not his job. She's an adult. But but that comes to a that comes to a head mm-hmm. because here they're they've got all of these things. They've done all of these preparation things.
1: Only for this one thing to completely destroy every life right. amount of planning. Right. And they go and they get all this stuff and they're walking, and I think it's probably been about like twenty Mama twenty blocks. Twenty blocks. And then her foot just starts bleeding to the point where he just can't. Yeah, he just loses it. He He just just just, like loses her mind on him.
0: And it sucks. It sucks that he had that reaction, but I mean, can you imagine the pressure and the stress and the you know in the
1: apocalypse? You're just trying trying to take care of yourself and not die. And then this woman is like, I'm gonna wear sandals and it's I'm gonna blame you for it later. Right. Like, what? What? oh Rita so they get to this point and they stop in the middle of this road and he just loses his mind on her and he's just like you wore sandals your feet have been hurting for 20 blocks and you didn't say anything and she's just like I didn't want to make you mad and it's like at this point very obviously she was in a really abusive relationship with that Wall Street banker and so you know Larry even can recognize that I think because of Pretty much how he treated Yvonne, yeah. like towards the end, it seems like. Right. I think he's recognizing, like, oh, wow, like this is similar.
0: And again, this is where we talk about that, you know, Larry does bad things, but Larry's not necessarily inherently a bad person. He, because he recognizes that he's doing bad things, he just doesn't know how to fix it he yet. He has
1: no impulse control. Yeah. He thinks of something and he wants to do it immediately. Right. And like, that's okay it's just you got a lot of consequences when you live that way um and he gets to this point and i think this is the part where uh like you really like see that personified in fact where she's just crying she's like larry like i understand like whatever it is just please don't swear at me and he just gets down in her face and screams fuck 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 right Like, just swear 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 and Yep. That it's just really meaningful of like who he is as a person and he immediately feels remorse for it. So it's like, you know he's not a bad person, but also he's like Yep, I did that. In
0: his anger, he did it anyway, and mm -hmm. now he feels like a
1: Larry Underwood strikes Mm -hmm. again. Right. And essentially he's like, All right, I'm leaving then. Come on, uh, let's go get you something. And she says, No, I don't want to go with you anymore if you're gonna yell at me and he says, Okay, fine. And he leaves. (laughs) And he walks off and he gets to the tunnel and uh turns out it's kind of scary so he turns around to go back and find rita
0: right and she's gone
1: <laughs> and she's just sitting there screaming uh rita 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 she's not there uh and so he goes back to the tunnel and he's just sitting there like okay, uh,
0: okay i guess i gotta, I do, I gotta this. do
1: this and he's sitting and this there. Is where
0: he realizes that you know he he's, he's not... super angry at rita for not wearing the proper foot gear
1: but he's but
0: he also didn't prepare well himself he, he bring knew a they were going through the tunnel but he didn't bring flashlight.
1: Also, he just has no anger for himself for, like, making that mistake. Yeah. Like, not well, as, nowhere I mean, near as much anger. No, right. Not
0: the as much that, anger. The fact that, like, he can he's... blow up
1: at someone else and have all of that anger and that at himself, he's like, dang it there, you dummy. You mm-hmm. did this again. Right. That's It's very – that's a little egocentric for sure. Uh, And then – we get into the tunnel, and the first line is "It was blacker inside than he imagined it would be," and that's all you can think about during this scene is it's just pitch black. Yeah, there's nothing. You can't see anything. You can't hear. Like you can only hear around Have you, you. Ever been
0: in a cave? Yeah, like and then on pitch black. Like, nothing. Nothing. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, oh yeah, it's
1: like milky blackness everywhere. Like you can't like push through it because if you push your hand all the way out, you can't see your hand anymore.
0: Right. Right. And I mean, you have to like touch yourself to know your hand is there. It's mm-hmm. super. And I, I that's how I imagine this to be is that, you know, like maybe not like at the entrance, but when he gets far enough in that he's under the water,
1: mm-hmm. there's no there's light no there. There's no
0: light. It's, so it's got, it's cave dark. And then he's got all these echoey sounds and it's the way it's shaped. Everything is going to echo weird anyway. and
1: And when you're the only one making when, the sounds in there as well. Well, you think you're
0: the only one making the sounds, But then it echoes back and it makes you wonder was that me? Is there somebody following me?
1: And he gets up and he was walking for about an hour and he thinks like he thinks
0: it's an hour. Yeah.
1: And he looks at it. It's only been 15 minutes. Right. He's just going so slow and it's it's so scary.
0: Stretching and distortion of time when there's no reference you don't know if it's been five minutes or five hours. Right. Um, and, and all the, you know is you've been walking forward in the dark and you've dark. been walking forward in the dark and, and, and you're scared.
1: And <laughs> so, then I, I think like all of, one of the really fun parts is he accidentally says slower out loud. Like he says, right. I'm walking a lot slower out loud. And then all of a sudden it just echoes throughout the whole case, slower, 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 slower. slower. And like, he's like just <sighs> terrified in that right? moment. Yeah. It's so scary too. Uh, and he keeps walking, and then out of the nowhere, he steps on a hand, and he gets yeah. out his lighter, and he looks, and he realizes it's a hand, and he like recoils a little bit, and he sees that it's a soldier, and so there's soldiers that were inside of the Lincoln Tunnel.
0: On the there's like a pedestrian walkway that mm-hmm. he's using. It's like a catwalk. Like, so he's in between yeah. So he's two. up off of the roadway where people drive. He's up on a, a catwalk, pedestrian walkway. So. I think it's important to establish that he's not having to climb over cars and things like that.
1: Right. And yeah, no, it's just where only people would be.
0: Right. right.
1: And they keep walking. He climbs over that soldier and then he gets another uh, 10 paces. It says, no, no. He gets another 10 paces and then he stopped um, just because he was starting to get so scared. And then he keeps going and he finds six dead bodies two women, a man, and a uh, grandma, and two teenage boys. And he assumes that they're all Jewish looking and one of them has like a star David or something. Mm -hmm. There was something that was really like, this is a Jewish family. Yeah. And he comes to the conclusion that there's soldiers there wearing infrared grovels and everything. And they just made sure that nobody left New York.
0: Right. Which, you know, that's all part of it. He wasn't completely oblivious to what was going on. So, yeah, it would make sense to quarantine Manhattan
1: yeah it would um, and at this point now though like if you're seeing all the dead soldiers you're seeing the dead bodies in the tunnel you're probably either assuming there's gonna be a line of people on the other side waiting to kill you like to make sure you don't get out right or they're or all gonna be dead
0: they're all gonna be dead yeah so
1: that's where Larry's living at right now in pitch black darkness trying to get through this tunnel
0: and has no idea what he's gonna find on the other
1: end and out of nowhere he hear's a footstep and it is as jarring as me saying it there. Yes. It, and it's just I don't know it's just a quiet footstep and it, it stops everything for him he immediately is just he's about to cry like you well, feel and, like all of that tension in his and body he's
0: just seen this dead family and mm-hmm. you know he could see the bullet holes he knows that they were shot right so his instinct is you know are they going to shoot me now. Mm-hmm. you know because he's already gone through the process that they've got night vision goggles and they're shooting anybody who's coming through, through here it. and so you know, he
1: pulls off his rifle and he just starts shooting into the dark mm-hmm. blankly randomly just hoping uh
0: yeah and it's a 30 thirty so we're not talking like something small we're talking like an elephant gun here. right I mean, it's, it's not pop, quite an elephant but it's a big gun yeah right. this is a, this is not something
1: and uh, he fires out until everything is empty and then at that point of that's when we hear, Larry, oh, God, Larry, for God's sake, and it's Rita. And it's just like, Rita, why did you wait until that moment to say something?
0: Right. I mean, hello.
1: And <laughs> she says eventually, she's like, I was scared you weren't who I thought you were. Like, there was someone chasing me as I came back in through in the tunnel because they saw me. Right. So I was scared that it was you that I was hearing. It, that it wasn't you. That it was- wasn't you, that it was them. And right. And so, so, I mean, that, that makes, makes sense. sense.
0: And we've already established that she's not – She's not equipped for this.
1: And the fact not, that she went in the tunnel alone is pretty, like, That's, that's wow. pretty impressive. Yeah. You
0: know, he's not equipped for this. She's even less equipped for this. So the fact that she got as far as she did is it's really, on her own. Is, they would volumes. not
1: survive if they didn't have each other. Right. I can already tell you that. Like, the further right. we get in longer, it's going to even be more, like, if he wasn't able to, like, put aside all of his depression and things and be like, okay, Rita, I need to help you now. And if Rita wasn't able to put aside all of her, like, insecurities and be like, I need to help Larry now. Yeah. Like, it might not. We'll see. Oh, okay. We will. Um, I'm interested to see, like. I
0: mean, so far, yes. those those things. What their happening.
1: relationship ends up yeah. being. Because I could also see, like, Larry losing his mind on her. Or Rita getting sick and him, like, not knowing what to do. But also she could be immune. That's the biggest thing that I'm curious I mean, about and, right now and, is are the people that we all know now, are they immune for sure I mean, or is it just taking longer for them to get sick? And We we have no proof. Like yeah,
0: We don't really have anything solid, but I feel like that at this point as quickly as
1: it came and, it killed, came and
0: killed, that I think that anybody that's still alive at this point, we can assume.
1: They've got the immunity or that, whatever. That they're
0: immune. Yeah. I feel like that's a safe assumption. I
1: really – I think it's going to be interesting if we find out where the immunity comes from. Like, because I feel like one thing that like uh, is interesting is like very specifically, like we talked about, uh, Trash Trashcan Man, uh, Albert. That's his name, right, Albert? Donald Albert Murrow. Donald like specifically avoided death numerous times mm-hmm. in that chapter, like to the point where Stephen King pointed it out multiple times right. too. Right. So it's like we know that there's got to be a little. Supernaturally thing there, like going on, and I mean at this point too. Or he's
0: just really damned
1: lucky. that's too too many coincidences <laughs> for it to just be lucky, especially after we just watched Randall Flag like pull out a magic shape shifting rock that turns into a magic key that makes keyholes appear on doors that don't and have keyholes. Hit, oh well, he's going to do he's that. Ready okay, do that. yeah, fair enough. But there's just so many things that like. It's too supernatural at this point for things it's, to not be supernatural. It's too, yeah.
0: It's too much of a coincidence for it to just be coincidence. science. It's
1: not science anymore. It's it, magic. Yeah. There's magic somewhere. And I just got to figure it out where.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so they continue through the tunnels. Sorry. We're very yeah. sidetracked. And they get <laughs> eventually they get out of the tunnel and it is as relieving as finishing the chapter is. It's yeah, really like it, it really is just is. such a cathartic break. Uh, and they get out there and they're just sitting on the road crying that they're finished And they decide, all right, uh, where are we gonna go now? And she's just like, I don't know, just don't leave me ever again, please. Right.
0: Right. And he and he half ass apologizes. I shout at you because I was upset. I'm not such a bad guy. I mean, it's kind of an apology of a sort, but it's I don't know. It's not great. It's
1: it's uh it's the apology of someone who recognized they did something wrong, but they don't know how to apologize.
0: Well, and.
1: Or they don't know how to do it sincerely. The,
0: right. Or that, yeah, he's kind of sorry he did it, but he's also, there's part of him that's kind of not sorry he did it because. Because it's her she, fault. She really I'm did 100% need somebody to. i 100 on side on this to one. say, you are. We are
1: going to die. Right.
0: We're going to die if you don't think.
1: Yeah. Like, come on. Like, I get it. Like, that, like, you've been in, like, a, like it's been awful, but, like, it's worse now.
0: Right. And, And, you know, if you don't start using your brain, we're going to have problems. So get it together.
1: It's interesting, too, that we have this chapter. And then in a few chapters, we're going to have a chapter of the people that just couldn't hack it. Right. You know, and so it's like Larry and Rita, like on the hierarchy of people that are hacking it are (laughs) – they're not kind of at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, they're not. You know, Stu I mean, and Glenn. Like no, they're, Stu they're, and Glenn seem to be living their best lives right they're,
0: now. They're just a step above. You know, there's Lloyd, and then there's Trash Can Man, and then
1: there's, then Larry, there's and Rita. Larry and Rita. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they're not. And then not, I put Nick there, I think, and then franny and Harold, and then I think Stu's is obviously the best one off right now. Well, he well, was I mean, not.
0: He wasn't, but he is now. And you know, I I think that, and we may talk about it later, but you know. He went hunting, so he knew how to do things. You know, he was
1: more of an outdoorsman.
0: Well, and he was more resourceful, I think. Mm. Yeah. Because he was forced to be.
1: Um, And that is what we have met. That Larry chapter is just really incredible. It's it really, is. really, It's haunting. It's terrifying. It's really suspenseful and really well-written. And you see a lot of bravery from Larry, which is not something that you've seen up to this point. Right. And it's nice and refreshing to see him be the main character that you know he can be. Right.
0: And, and it kind of gives you a sneak peek of... Or a beginning look of what he could become.
1: Mm-hmm. He, could he, be hero, he, he could be the hero. He could be could, the savior. He, he really could. could, could do be. This.
0: He really could, if he can get his act together. You
1: know, control so. his selfish impulses a little right. bit more. Right. So then we go into chapter thirty-six, which is a Franny chapter,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm in for Franny at this point. I'm here for it. Her. I like her a lot. She's great. Uh, and Harold's okay too. Like I'm just, I'm just really interested in their dynamic and like what they're going to try and accomplish because i think harold's like surprisingly smart and clever
0: yeah he really is i mean um
1: and it's one of those th- it he makes a point to say like you know nobody really talked to me i didn't have a lot of friends so i just read a lot right and you know and i wrote, and now I read it's, and I wrote. it's coming to be useful right. franny uh and We hear a little bit about her taking care of Gus, and it's just a fun little, like, just to get us caught up to speed. Like, while all of that's been happening, Franny hasn't just been sitting here watching people die. She's been trying trying. very hard to take care of one person, at least, to focus on. Right. So when he dies, she just pretty much – it's interesting because she talks about how after he dies, she feels like she can finally move on from her family dying as well Mm -hmm. because – she did a good thing and she tried as hard as she could and right. there was just nothing she could have done. So she feels that sense of like closure and relief because of her taking. Because care she of Gus. knows
0: that there was not anything that she, she could, could have do. done. And I think it's also important to note here that, you know, Gus died and then but the power was off. It had gone off at exactly nine seventeen PM on the evening of June twenty eighth. So, you know, we're ten days into this and all of the things that we take for granted, you know. Um,
1: the power is all just, going off strangely at the same time.
0: Well, I mean, huh? Huh. Well, huh? And and you know these things. These power plants have got a certain amount of. Um, Safeties. Safeties that are built in, but there's nobody there to make sure that things keep going. It's just interesting
1: because Nick's power in Arkansas also went out at 9.20, like around that same time on the same day.
0: Right. And And we know
1: that there's a supernatural eco-terrorist on the loose.
0: (laughs) But... You know, but there's also nobody doing maintenance on any of these power plants. And there's – And Glenn Batemore
1: talks about that. He's like the moment that one person knows how to fix a power plant, they're the king of whatever. Right. Like the one like random technician that just happens to know which buttons to turn on like they're the wealthiest place in America. Right. And it's really like interesting that he talks about it that way because it's so true. Right. Um there was a small live TV show or a TV show called Revolution, where it was starring Billy Burke, uh, the man that, that should be playing Stu Redmond, <laughs> and it's a, pretty much about what happens when uh, electricity disappears. Mm-hmm. It's like the electricity is gone, gone, yeah. and he talks about it, like Batemore does, you know, all of the infrastructure is still there. Nothing's right. gone. You don't have to just, reinvent. You don't have to rediscover it, You just have to learn how to do it.
0: You you have to learn how to turn it back on. Right.
1: Right. And that's like. Something you take for granted. Every- yeah. I have no idea how I could turn the electricity on in this building if it all turned off. Right. Like what processes or steps I'd have to do.
0: Right. And that's and – that's-
1: If it's the Wi-Fi, I know 100% what I have to do. But <laughs> electricity,
0: Yeah. no. I mean and, and the average person doesn't know that. Right. Yeah, I read a book years ago that was – there was a, an electromagnetic pulse from the sun that knocked out the power. Because of the mag- it reversed yeah. the magnetic Filarity. poles and and all kinds of craziness and 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 it's it's that thing you know when you it's all there but nothing works now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so interesting.
1: Just- like, so what are? How do you do? You just mess with it until it works again, and then it's like, oh, what if you mess it up, and then right. it never and works then it never again. Never
0: works again, and so yes, you have to pretty so- much
1: reinvent it. It's interesting to think about mm-hmm. that and how it would come to be. And Batemore does a really good job of explaining how Bateman. Bateman thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I thought I remember thinking it's Jason Bateman from it. Bateman <laughs> right. does a really good job of explaining uh a lot of just pretty much like where the he could go. Like right. there's just things right. right. to be. Like
0: civilization, mm-hmm. the rebuilding of civilization. And he got some great
1: counter memories. that we immediately have Franny and Harold who are stuck in the past. They're right. Children trying to stay in the current America they're trying to stay like we right. need to go find the president and we got to tell them that we're immune and then they'll take care of us whereas right. bateman and-, and Stu are old men realists, and they're like all right the world's crumbled we're alone now how do we survive right
0: right and you know so they Franny and harold have kind of a um
1: will they want their relationship? Yeah, I mean, but it's mostly it's, because they're the last two alive, they think. In
0: their right, they're the last two alive as far as they know and you know, it, she already has her perceptions of Harold because he was the annoying little brother to her best friend and you know, she knows she knows who he is and she knows, you know, it, this is really hard for her. Right. So so they get together, and I don't think that, I mean, Harold is handling his grief poorly. I don't know that we necessarily need to go into the details it's of great. that. It's He's, not, it's not like, pretty. What's
1: interesting is, like, Everybody in this book at least has, like, specific quirks on how they deal with their grief and what they Mm do. Like, we read earlier about a man that just ran himself to death, literally. uh, And uh, it's in – or we read later. We'll read that. We'll read that on. Uh, We read about how Harold's just mowing his lawn.
2: Right. How some
1: people make newspapers. Like, there's so many different ways that people are handling their grief. And I like how Stephen King, like, acknowledges Mm -hmm. that. Like, not everyone's just going to sit in their house and cry about it. Like, people work through things differently. Right. And – Essentially, we get her going to Harold. And we
0: also find out that, yeah, she goes to Harold. And then, you know, Harold is like, you know, I feel kind of terrible because I don't really miss my family.
1: I don't miss my family and I don't know how to tell anyone that. But also there's no one to tell. So
0: So I'm going to tell you about it. And then he said, and then it just all kind of hit me at once that there's nobody now. You know, you're the only other person around. You're the only other person I know is alive. And, you know, maybe I do miss people, even though they were horrible to me.
1: really love the metaphor of the Kool-Aid in this chapter. Yeah. Um, Stephen King, he has this (laughs) – Harold gives her this Kool-Aid and it has no sugar in it and it tastes terrible and it's warm. And through all of this, while she's sipping the Kool-Aid, Harold is giving her this – Really sad, awful story about pretty much why she should like him now. Right. And at the end of it, by the time that, you know, she he's pretty much said, like, your best friend Amy treated me like I was a dog and I wasn't better like good enough for like my family. Like Mm -hmm. that's what it is. And then she's like, That's how it was, and Franny finishes her Kool-Aid. And at that point, she's on his side. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. well, and, and it's just smart and brilliant. Yeah, And like Jim's was like it. a real like popular like thing in the 70s and 80s too. So mm-hmm. like the drink, the flavor aid, Kool-Aid thing. Like mm. it was just like a really good illusion. I liked a lot how he wrote that in there.
0: Right. So, you know, so they have a picnic lunch and they make a plan. They're going to go to Stovington. Uh, Stovington. Vermont. Because there's a CDC right. and the outpost uh, operation there. And, and you know, Harold's like, well, we might be able to get some answers there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's anybody else immune that's where they're going to be so we'll be able to get answers and if there. they
1: don't have anyone immune they're going to want to meet us we're because immune. we're immune yeah. and franny immediately is like this is perfect i just want authority and i want someone to tell me what to do and she's right. like it cra- craves it, steve says it craves for that longing for structure she has
0: yeah, She just yeah
1: um and so they decide that they're going to get bikes or motor scooters and it's Mm -hmm. almost 300 miles and before they leave they're going to get packed up and ready to go and like we were making fun of earlier harold has the brilliant idea to really just leave them a roadmap for anybody that comes through town right which
0: is really a brilliant idea
1: i disagree in the apocalypse it's a terrible idea all right i just think that you're too trusting of people then
0: but if there's other people alive, you would probably to know you want are. your things. Maybe. I mean. Mostly. But there's a lot of things.
1: All we've seen so far is like from outside of like our six characters is them trying to stab people and like people trying to like rape and loot. And like there isn't a lot of positivity going on in the world.
0: But there's also a lot of things. And 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 one of the things about Harold and Fran is that they are both very positive people. They're going, they want to make this trip because they think that it's going to be a positive end at the end of that trip.
1: I, good on them, (laughs) you know. I would, I know if I was in this, there's no positivity in this situation for me. (laughs) And it's literally like, at least I get to learn how to garden now. Like, that's the positive (laughs) situation I feel. Uh, and and then this time, she talks about how she made at Kool-Aid, but she added mm-hmm. the sugar this time. Right. And it's just like, you know, like, now she's in on the Kool-Aid. And now she adds the little things that make it, like, good enough to, like, give to other people. Right. If that makes sense. And uh, they get the little phonograph and they go back to her house and they sit there and they re- listen to their recorder. The recorder. They listen to some records
2: mm-hmm.
1: and until it dies. I imagine it's, like, battery-powered. It's battery-powered, yeah. Um, and I, it's a really good – for most of this section, it's either the start of a journey or it is the decision to go on a journey. Yeah. So, you know, with Nick and uh, – or not yet with Nick, but with Franny and Harold. Oh, no, at we the see, end
0: of Nick's he Oh, yeah. He, he does decide. Right.
1: So with Nick and uh, Franny and Larry and Rita and Harold, they all in this section have decided like now it's time to start our now, journey.
0: Now we've got to, to find other people.
1: It's the top of act two here. It like, is. We it really, really, really are. And so they're all setting out in their own place. And now we get into Stu, who is doing the same thing. He's off on his journey, but.
0: But Stu has decided that, you know, hey, I'm this close to the ocean. I've never seen the ocean. Let's do this.
1: Like, good on him. Like He's like, least. I'm going
0: to make this a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go so see the ocean.
1: He's hiking towards the ocean. And as he's hiking towards the ocean, a dog starts throwing up at him. And we, as readers, know that the dogs have been going a little rampant and wilds
0: well and that we've only seen two dogs in all of this we saw one dog that tried to get burgers from, from nick, nick.
1: And, then we, and then this dog and yeah. that's it
0: we haven't seen any other dogs anywhere in all you know true 350 pages that we've read so far this is the first the so we dog know
1: kojak seen. is important yeah so, he's the most important character in the entire right. novel, in my opinion. <laughs> but that's not the he's point right now. <laughs> I like Kojak, and so he's uh, got a
0: great personality.
1: Well, it's interesting. It's just so fun because he runs up and he meets Kojak, and Kojak just bumps up or like jumps up on him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so excited to meet you!" And then you hear a guy yell, "Hey, get down!" Blah 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 blah, and you see a man on the middle of the road painting like, just a landscape, and he turns to Stu, and he's like, I hope you don't mean to shoot me. My name's Glenn. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the, the first thing that Stu's like, oh, no, I haven't seen enough people to shoot anyone yet. And he's like, <laughs> right? but also, like, no, I'm not going to. Right. Uh, <clears throat> and they become fast friends, truly. I think we're just, in, we're just spooked. <laughs> um, and they become fast friends. So him and Bateman uh, sit there, and they pretty much just wax wise about the world and mm-hmm. like what the current state of it is. Um it's interesting. There's a lot of stuff in here that it's Bateman putting to words probably what you as the reader have been thinking about. Like, okay, like what are they gonna do here? Like how is this gonna happen? Like what's gonna like what would you even do? Like what are the next steps? And right. Bateman's kind of almost given out like the next roadmap for humanity. So that way we can see idyllically this is where we would go. This is what we might try to do. But I think the reason that Bateman lays it all out like this is so that way we have a roadmap to know what's not going to happen.
0: I think so. Essentially, yeah, yeah, it's like
1: this yeah. is what could be happening and this is like what you would think would be happening in a normal situation if the devil and the god weren't involved. But turns out there's magic here.
0: Right. Because.
1: ran a flag. ran flag, a flag, Yeah. And
0: the dreams.
1: Mm-hmm. And the dreams. <laughs> I think one thing that's really fun here too that he talks about, he specifically – and you know that he only – it's really good. This chapter comes directly after that for any chapter. Mm-hmm. And then we have this entire section that's like specifically talking about what happens to babies in utero with the virus. Mm-hmm. And he's just talking about, well, if babies babies aren't immune, there's like two ways that it can go. Like either the baby's not immune and as soon as it is born it dies. Right. Or it's able to catch the infection in the womb like right. mumps and it comes out stillborn. Right. Um and the way he talks about it, the possibility of the baby getting the immunities is about 50-50 because odds are that the dad, the dad or the mother, one, one of them well, did not the, survive. The dad didn't survive, did most survive. likely,
0: um, Because
1: the woman would have to survive for the oh, baby right. to be born. <laughs> right, right. I'm figuring out life, <laughs> yeah, slowly no, but surely. Biology and stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah, so there's like – and it really made you immediately think about Franny's baby, the baby that Franny hasn't thought of at all. Um, but also like I
0: mean, yeah, she if she did. thought about it
1: well she hasn't
0: I don't think thought she's about gotten it this as like yet. a thing
1: that's like going to be a thing that's going to like exist in her world it's yeah. just like the pregnancy is almost like an ailment to her right now
0: yeah, because she's still early on and, yeah you know, it's not like, like a, it's not like she's feeling the baby move and right. all these things so she hasn't gotten to
1: the mommy stage all really, of that yet. yeah
0: in her brain she'll get there, but that little it just, maternal it's a process, switch will
1: turn yeah. on soon and
0: you know but but glenn says "Eh, what's the other possibility or Stu says what's the other possibility and glenn says then we may finish the job of destroying our species ourselves i mean
1: there's a good and he talks about like yeah uh and this is where we talk about like if there's a man that knows how to turn the power back on he's going to be like the wealthiest man in the world and he talks about how you could just go and Threaten Boston if they turned on the power and just, like, drive a warhead up in a Cadillac and, like, set it off there. Right. Like, you don't have to fire a missile. That's ridiculous. And, you know, you can threaten people that way. And, like, eventually, like, if it doesn't go, like, everyone will just kill themselves. Right. Uh, it's interesting. It takes you back to, like, you know, the tribe dynamics of the early worlds. Right. And we get them going uh, back to Glenn's house. And this chapter has a lot of really good, fun information, but none of it is anything that you can really delve into. It's very surface level, yeah. Like until it's mean,
0: all just theoretical and like, and kind just of them couple chatting and
1: like getting to know each around, other around, drinking a beer,
0: drinking a beer, having a chat. Not you know, and
1: it's honestly the respite that we, the reader, and Stu needs.
0: Yeah, he needed he a second to hell, and he can't stop thinking weeks. about
1: right. the faces and the people and running through the like hallways. And he's the, the chance to just sit there in the sun with a puppy and drink a beer. Great experience, yep. I'm sure. After everything, and
0: relaxing, it's got, a, it's got to, to give him a, a well, and he to drinks decompress. three
1: beers in like eight minutes. Like, he's like <laughs> on his third beer, and, and he's, he's like, like oh. Oh, I'm starting to feel buzz. This is good, mm-hmm. yeah. So they go back to his house, and then Stu has a wild dream. Mm -hmm. where he's running back through the facility and you see very clearly points out this radiology thing again. So like, it's interesting that we have that theme or not theme that place is another represented again and how important it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Do not proceed beyond this point without a valid pass. And then slowly as he's running, this room gets transformed into this black and red motif with black doors and the rooms are reading way to cobalt urns, laser armory, plague room, Mm -hmm. Mm. um and so you know maybe it's saying that the government is actually run by the devil like who knows we'll find out you know it was set in 78 not in or 90 not in 2020 Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and all uh, we see randall Flagg there at the end of this exit and he looks up at him and he just says heaven and earth all of heaven and earth and Stu wakes up And it's interesting because a lot of this is also what we were just talking about with uh, Bateman. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it's a lot of, like, those similar, like, issues that he was just, like, thinking about and wondering. And now they're present in this dream that's influenced by Randall Flagg. Right. So it's really interesting to see how Randall Flagg is able to influence these dreams based off of their personal wants, desires, and thoughts. Um, Especially going into that next – in two chapters, we know that Lloyd gets that little key – what he had just been thinking about, too. Yes. It's these like little, like, the devil knows the desires kind of thing. Right. It's interesting. And right. I really love the way that it's being played off in the dreams right now.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And he eventually goes back to sleep. And that's the end of that Stew chapter is really like, Just to give him a chance to like – just to give him a chance to not be in the throes of everything.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that that chapter is good because it gives Stu just a a little chance and that little taste of normalcy. To
1: recharge. He Um, needed that recharge. To recharge
0: and to refresh and, you know, to do something that's not so – When he meets
1: Franny and Harold now, he's not going to be as crazy. I I mean, yeah. He's going to be a little bit more like collected. I I agree. (laughs) Um,
0: And that's important.
1: Yeah, oh, very important. I feel like Stu's going to be the Han Solo, the de facto leader on accident. Like, I've said that before, but he's going to not want to be in charge, and everybody's going to be like, Stu, what do you think we should do? And Larry's going to be the man that stands up, and he's like, I'm in charge now. And he's going to be like, oh my god, Stu, what do we do? (laughs) And I can already see all of it happen if they ever all team up. All right. Uh, The thing is, I just don't think any of them are all going to team up. Like, I think that they might meet each other and, like, do a couple of things, but I think that their stories are all being told to me individually because I think they all have something individually important about the story. You know what I mean? That's
0: a theory.
1: It is. It's and my theory right now. We'll <laughs> see how it changes in one week. <laughs> right? Um, all right. So we get into chapter 38, um, which is pretty much an overview, summary chapter of... it's. It's quite literally to tell us that while there are people that survived... The flu. The flu... They could not survive existing in a post-flu world. Right. So it's just a five-and-a-half-year-old girl who falls in a well after eating some blackberries. Right. Uh, it's a woman who's so scared of being raped that the first man that she sees, uh, she kills herself because she's so scared that he's going to rape her. Right. Uh, it's the story of a man who's been jogging for 10 years on the advice of his doctor and he just jogs until he dies and has an aneurysm. He
0: literally runs himself to death.
1: One thing that's really good about it is it shows you the level of injury now doesn't matter.
0: Right. You get a
1: scrape. You break uh, your nose. You get bit by a rattlesnake. All these things that like normally like wouldn't have mattered at all. Right, right. Now you die.
0: Yeah, you get cut on a a rusty nail sticking out of a fence post and now you have tetanus. There's like one of these guys like stepped on a nail in fact and died. and there's nobody to – uh, you know, to give you a tetanus shot and to give you the antibiotics that you need. And if you are not resourceful enough to take care of those things yourself, um, you know, and then there's the, the woman who went down and, and put her husband and baby's bodies in the freezer of the apartment building. Like they had
1: a, yeah, community, a big freezer community freezer in
0: their basement and she went down and forgot to put the rubber stop in the door and
1: she now, ended up staying in there. Right and I mean, freezing with her husband yeah and like it, it it is a good exchange bless you sorry it is a good exchange for what we were talking about how steve can create a character and like have them accomplish things and do things in that short amount of time right um and then at the very end it says no great loss yeah. and it's just like we were talking about it's so like death doesn't mean anything anymore right and it's really interesting um yeah, and I think that – okay, maybe I'm a little hard on that chapter. Um, I just think that some of the stories needed to be cut down. We didn't need all of them. Right, But yeah, I get I the point. Um, maybe it would have been better as like the way that he told it in the uh, news chapter. Yeah. You know, it's not as much like a whole story. It's just segments of it. It's yeah. like, okay, so we just see this little part. I don't want – like, I don't think that knowing the entire buy, okay. backstory of that right. character in these moments okay. that they're about to die helps in any way. Right at least in this section. Not in that section. Yeah.
0: But but cuz that's not the, the same, point isn't to get but connected. But at the same time is it's important to realize that the flu didn't kill everybody.
1: Yes. I think that's important to know too. It's like even though we're only reading about these characters very obviously there's more people out there right. that they're going to run into. Right. Um Now we get to chapter 39 with Lloyd. This was, I, like, the fact that, like, this is almost where the end of our, like, the fact that this and 40 are the end of this episode is crazy. Mm -hmm. Chapter 39 is amazing. It was really good. It's really well written and it's incredible. He has such a knack for giving you, you can see exactly what he wants you to see especially like when you're talking about lloyd when he describes lloyd he wants you to notice everything about his face he's like he's emaciated he's small yes but on his face his thin skin is stretched over his face so tightly Mm -hmm. that his lips are pulled back from his teeth that is such a good way to describe like a gaunt looking person it was really 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 well done and that's why you get the moniker the king of horror Yes. When you describe terrifying things like that in a way that I go, that's beautifully done. <laughs> right, It's kind of like, oh, wow. Um, and also we get the next lithograph in the unedited version, which yeah. is Lloyd or just reaching over for that foot to try and get some dinner or mm-hmm. some lunch or some breakfast. Some food.
0: Some food. <laughs> um, well, and, and, you know, we get Lloyd being – Just really unaware of even what he's doing because, you know, it says he'll hum and then he'll sing and then he'll like actually whisper out loud.
1: To go back to what we were talking about in the trash can man, it's really paralleling like where the trash can man's head was like it's almost right. like the trash can man is at that final stage of delusion mm-hmm. and Lloyd is sliding in and right. out now into right. that delusion starting to get there. He has these little parts where it's italicized of like just a random voice saying something. He's talking to himself and doing these things, but then his body is moving autonomously. Right. It's grabbing this leg from the other cell and slowly bringing it towards him without even thinking. And the entire time we have Lloyd talking about this concept, the key And this concept, the idea of it, the theory of it, is really interesting and really cool to think about because I really like it's true. And the key in real life is money. It absolutely
2: is.
1: It's a really highbrow concept for Lloyd to have in prison, to me. It doesn't fit Lloyd having it in prison.
0: It doesn't fit Lloyd having it at all.
1: Yeah. Period. That's what I'm. And so what I'm saying is, Lloyd
0: is that's lloyd isn't really prone to con he's to, not a uh, philosophical
1: thinker yeah he's not yeah. in there thinking about the morals and ethics of prisons and why if a murderer deserves to die or not and An why abstract
0: thought is not
1: where he's coming from not,
0: not lloyd's forte so, so
1: if we're the looking- fact that
0: he can pull this together gives us a clue that He's Somebody not. Somebody might be influencing what, his
1: thoughts a little bit.
0: Maybe that, and maybe he's not quite as dumb as we thought he was.
1: Oh, uh, maybe I 100 percent just figured it was like Randall out there, like kind telepathically, of, like forcing him I mean, into and that that's, direction. That's
0: that's a thing too, and.
1: But also, I mean, we'll talk about if that you're too. just sitting there doing nothing. Eventually, you're going to have some higher brow concepts than you normally do. I imagine too. Um,
0: I mean, he's also starving. He's starving. And,
1: he's delirious. Everything's going just right. down, down. Like I,
0: Except for his brain?
1: Except for his brain.
0: Which, I don't buy. Same thing with, <laughs> so, and like
1: we noticed that with the trash can man too. All of a sudden, as he's about to die and everything's getting worse and worse and worse, his brain starts to restart and he finally feels this edge to live. Hmm, yeah. So he has this just idea of the key. The people that are in charge have a key and if you... Re- Play by the rules as a regular person, you don't get locked up. But if you don't, they use that key to take away parts of your life. Right. And since they have the key, they never have to worry about their lives being taken away.
0: Right. And so and, But having the key didn't give them the right to go away and leave you locked up to starve. Yeah.
1: That that phrase is going to be the entirety of Lloyd's motivation from now on. Yep. That is that is like it. And it is it is just truly and I think that's why like we get introduced to that rabbit is because Lloyd starts to have the concept did I was I in the right to do what I did to that rabbit right. should I have just left it alone in the wild and it wouldn't have died because of what I did right and he has that you know, same realization as he's, he's the rabbit he's got these hurt hands he's just trying not to like do anything except survive and this is a good chapter break Very good chapter break. He gets the leg. He pulls it in close to him. And he says, nothing personal. He whispered to Trask. He touched Trask's leg. He caressed it. Nothing personal. I ain't going to eat you, old buddy. Not unless I have to. He was not even aware that he was salivating. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like, brilliant. And then chapter break. And so... We don't have to watch Lloyd eat the meat. Nope. We don't have to ever do that.
0: Nope. He does not describe that uh, in any way, shape, or form. We know
1: he does. (laughs) Um, And it's really cool, though, the way that we find out, though. Like, I love – one of the things I really love about Steve is he does not – give you everything point blank as base information. He will actively do it as a second or a third hand source and give you that information, but in a different, but he doesn't have to give you the
0: gory details of Mm -hmm. it. And that that's one of the things I really love because I like, I love to be scared. I love a good scary book. I love a good scary movie. Mm -hmm. I don't, do blood and gratuitous school? If in
1: twelve hundred pages, in every chapter, I have to read about someone eating a like a leg or like eating not, a, like all of those different things, quick. yeah, I'm not going to want to. <laughs> no. But if it's like every like twenty five chapters, I have a terrifying moment in the Lincoln Tunnel, mm-hmm. I'm going to want to keep reading your book. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and Lloyd is there. He's. He, I think that Lloyd is quite literally about to die.
2: Yeah.
1: He he is yeah, like in this perch. moment. He only wakes up uh probably to die like so that his body can be aware that he's gonna die and then he hears yo who, any or ho ho anyone home and it's just more of the 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 walking dude being right. a chaotic entity
0: well and then you know it says and strangely lloyd's first thought was don't answer maybe he'll go away even
1: you're fighting With everything.
0: Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know if this is the dude I want. I don't know Next. if I want this dude to fight. <laughs> Next, me. please. Next one, <laughs> right? And it's I don't. Can, yeah, can you just send somebody else? <laughs> the yeah.
1: aura and energy of this man is so strong that even in dreams, people are uh, like. Scared of him. him, Yeah. Lloyd is about to die and he would rather just be on his own. His first fight or flight instinct is to just like hide. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And eventually he's like, all right, I'm going to leave. Then he screams and he's like, no, please don't go. And uh, it's, you know, you read through this and you're like, man. Did Randall Flag know Lloyd was in prison? It really feels like it. Of oh, yeah. course he did. Of course he did. He knew did. the whole time. Right. He probably knew to wait until exactly this moment, mm-hmm. until after he had chomped on the dude and everything, because he was right. going to be weak and helpless enough that he would do quite literally anything. Yes. Especially after he showed him the magic key. Yes. So one thing that's really like fun and interesting here is we get a lot of supernatural information about uh, Flag here. Mm-hmm. Um, he can make electricity happen. Uh, he can just turn electrical things on. He can make them work somehow. Maybe it's not electricity. He can just control things. But right. he has some kind of telepathic or tele-electric ability. Or whatever, um, he can transform things and summon things from a hammer space and just out of nowhere, which explains why he has so many pamphlets in his pockets all right. the time. And he can transform and like bless people essentially. He takes this rock, and it's a rock that's red and black, and when he squeezes it in his hand, it turns into a key. And when you squeeze it again, it turns into an eye.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we don't know what the eye or the does yet, but the key, as we just find out when he uses it for him, is it unlocks, It. I'm going to assume, any door.
0: It's like a skeleton key. Yeah, it, it's
1: quite literally the skeleton key, I right. imagine. It, I'm going to imagine that the eye is going to allow Randall to see whatever he sees or he's going to put it inside of nick thinking thoughts right now i just realized that nick is missing an eye now too and if we're gonna have a magic eye involved like it makes sense that it's going to the character (laughs) with one eye um and uh (laughs) you know it really shows us that randall flag is quite literally probably the devil or some kind of like demonic torturing entity because the first thing he says is like oh you're hungry well, man, we can get you something to eat. I just had a really great steak sandwich and some French fries with right. some mustard on it and a chocolate milkshake. And he's like, oh, man, I must be torturing you, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like no one else is like platonically – or platonically, no one else is like that playfully having like torturous experiences. Right, right. Um right. And throughout all of this, he essentially just decides that I'm going to follow you and you're my person now. Right. And he makes a complete pact with Randall Flagg, and Randall Flagg says, before I let you out, you have to understand you will do everything for me. I have your loyalty. I have your word, right? And he says, I promise. And then it has this supernatural moment. Right. uh, And uh, the words seem to hang in the air, vibrating strangely. He listened to that vibration. and. Randall Flag turns the key into the uh, cell, which has no, no like lock right, or elect- key lock I mean, or it's anything.
0: A, modern enough that it shouldn't. It doesn't have a key lock. It's mm-hmm. just an electronically, but it's the visual of that magical key.
1: Yep, right? and he opens the key, and then as soon as he steps out, he gives the key to Lloyd,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Lloyd holds it, and he just says to himself, "Mine." Right. And, and it's it's all of his prayers and thoughts, everything he's been thinking over the last three days, maybe influenced by Randall, maybe not right. influenced right. by but Randall.
0: Whatever. But now it's his.
1: It's his now. He right. has he, the power that he's been seeking. And he's, right. like he said, if he they used that key to touch him, so he's going to use the key to touch them all over. Right. And they go and get some dinner together. And there's a point where Lloyd falls and he's weak and Flag grabs him up and picks him up. And... Lloyd takes it as a sign of like love and mm-hmm. sympathy and gratitude, but we as the reader are very aware that it is nothing more than you're a tool and you fell and uh, that's not in the place you need to fall. Right. Get it, get up get and go to where you need to you, go.
2: Yeah, let's do this. Yep.
1: And we get into chapter forty, uh, the last chapter of this section. It's good. It's really it interesting. Really it's very short um, because it's just it it. It's really it's a it's a prophecy.
0: It is. And it like, really is. And you know. It starts with Nick. You know he has, he shot himself. It got infected. He went and got the medicine for it. You know, so that's like the the nuts and bolts. It puts him in the place of
1: where we're at. Right, he's laying in bed sick. He's got an infection. He's almost out of water. Uh, He's got a little bit of water left. He's just – you know, he's trying to survive on his own right now and he's doing a good – And he's he's ill. Mm -hmm. Not flu. Just Infection. He's got blood poisoning. Right. And he's doing a good job of like surviving and – we get a lot of his dreams through this. So like some right. of them are just regular ones with Jane and Rudy. And then uh, he then all of a sudden, everything transformed to this really magical big dream where he's on top of this cliff and there's a man looking out over the world. And he says, everything you see can be yours if you fall down and give me and worship me everything, Nick. And Nick's like, well, you just got to like, he's like, I can't speak. I'm deaf. And he's like, you just got to say something. And Nick talks for the first time.
0: This is very biblical.
1: Is it? It is. I don't know the it, Bible very right. good.
0: But, but it is. This is a, a very um, – it's it's basically a biblical story. Hmm.
1: Okay. That's um, really fun and interesting.
0: In, in, within the book. So.
1: Well, it's uh, – so he comes to Nick and he says, if you give me everything, I will re- give you everything. Mm-hmm. And Nick, uh, to everyone's amazement, says, nah, um, no thank you. And yes. he, he's actively like listening to these things. And Nick says, Nick was a terribly afraid. This creature, whatever it was, performed no free miracles. Mm-hmm. So that sense of just like knowing that like there's something out there so powerful that they could give you anything you want. But, but for some cost. reason, they can't get that thing and you have to do it for them. Right. So it's like whatever that thing that they want has to be so awful. Right. Mm-hmm. It has to be like next level disgusting. And he says no, and so Randall just pushes him away, and he, like, falls backwards into the corn. And now I realize that the corn dreams have been positive, and that's cute because it means that it's been Mother Abigail watching out for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was really nice. I was, like, really expecting the corn dreams to be bad ones. Uh, At least I hope that's how I'm, like, correctly understanding them. And we get into uh, Whoopi Goldberg sitting on the corner of the – Mother of Abigail is played by Whoopi Goldberg in the CBS in a, stand that CBS came stand. out this year but, and,
0: but when we get to her like legitimate description
1: well, she's nothing like Whoopi Goldberg she's yeah. like skin thin and like about to blow away in the wind yeah. like by like, a kite so, and like so no you hair
0: imagine and, my chagrin at
1: That casting,
0: I was like, oh, but you know, I'm gonna give her a chance because I know that Whoopi is very talented. Mm -hmm. She's not gonna look like I envisioned Mother Abigail, but you know, we'll see what she does.
1: It's pretty much we. She falls into the corn, and now we hear this music, Mm -hmm. and it's a song, and it's Mother Abigail Whoopi Goldberg's character sitting on this porch, Um, and there's just this magical element that he knows exactly where he is. He's in Polk County, Nebraska, west of Omaha, and a little north of Osceola, Mm -hmm. and it's just that immediate feeling of like i have to be here i have to get here right um and like there's this really cute moment where she's playing the guitar and nick thinks uh, about how that's what a guitar sounds like and he just goes nice and i'm like that's cute i love it i I think
0: it's really interesting um that in nick's mind in his dreams he can hear
1: yeah but he can't talk
0: Well, and he can talk in his dreams too.
1: He doesn't talk though. He doesn't though. So I guess it's just not something that he thinks or he wants to do. Well, and maybe
0: and maybe he can't yet. But that's yeah. Uh, But yeah. So I mean, but he can hear in his dreams, which is something, you know. And I just always wonder what that actually sounds like to him. Hmm. Yeah. You know, like that and the birds, because he's just like he just hears beautiful sounds. He just assumes that that's what it is, or whatever, or is told that that's what it is.
1: Um. And so she go. He goes up to her in the dream, and she's singing, and uh. Essentially, we find out that Nick is Jesus, I guess. Uh, I'm okay because, like, it just like there's a lot of illusions. She says, Come to me, Jesus. Won't you come by here, son of God? Come and disclose with me. Mm -hmm. And then, literally, the first thing she says to Nick is, So, boy, who nailed you to that spot? So there's a little bit of that immediate illusion there. Right. And she's actively asking Nick to come to her and to, like, ask her, like, for help and everything.
0: Right. And
1: we get this exchange pretty much that's saying, if you ever need help, Nick, you come to me immediately. I'm Mother Abigail. I'm 108 years old. I don't move, but I know everything. So you come to me if you need anything. Right. Um, and he wakes up. Uh, but the way he wakes up is very slowly. It really doesn't feel like he's coming out of a dream. It feels like he's slowly astral projecting back Back into his his body. body. Yeah. Yep. Um, And so I, Nick's got some superpowers or something. He's got some kind of special ability. I do not think he's dreaming anymore. And especially because Nick was the first one that really made me think of these dreams too. Like he's the prophetic one the most.
0: I I really I, I agree with that.
1: And then just like. Uh, you would expect Nick immediately heads out of town for that yeah. prophecy.
0: What, right. And he's like, okay, you know, my leg still hurts, but I'm healing. And it, and I think I'm going to be okay. You know, and he knows that he's like, it'll work out with a little exercise. It'll be fine. I got to move on. I've well, it's move on.
1: interesting too, because he sits up in the cot and before he lays down in the cot and he's thinking about how he might die from this infection and he wakes up from this dream and there's no thought of death anymore. Right. He's, he's, he's been like, touched yeah, somehow. Like, yeah. So he's like, I'm going to be okay. Now I need to figure out. I have to go to Nebraska. Right. So, so he, gets his,
0: he gets his things together, packs a backpack.
1: His tomato his soup.
0: Medicine, takes some soup, some ravioli. And he and heads out
1: to Nebraska. Yeah, off
0: he goes, pedaling away.
1: And that's where I had to stop. Because he can't drive. Yeah. I mean, it's cute, though, too. He can't <laughs> drive, but he just won't drive. I mean. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't learned how to by the law. So right. he's, too, he's too just to, like, not to break the law in right. an unjust society. So he's just going to
0: ride his little bike yeah. off, off into the sunset.
1: Um, I really feel like, uh, okay, so here's some, like, little hypotheses and predictions, okay. right? So um, Randall Flag's definitely coming for the trash can, man. Oh, for sure. Like, that is definitely, like, they're going east. He's going north. Like, they're definitely going to meet up in Chicago, I think. Um, Nick's going west to Mother Abigail north and north uh he's arkansas always in, oh, in, in arkansas so like in, northwest i guess northwest, west yeah. and really the only people in that area are trash can man
0: well yeah and trash can man is in like northern indiana right now yeah. so i mean they're kind
1: of i'm really hoping uh there's this one little newspaper clipping that flew away in like one part in like an earlier chapter in like an area by where nick was so i'm really hoping that like nick will just find that newspaper or something just real some of the, like real random thing to connect those little stories into yeah. the bigger story um all in all, though, I think there's not a lot of hypothesis about no, this one. this one is like pretty, the dreams gave us some stuff, but we talked real in depthly about those.
0: Yeah, and this this section is kind of pretty cut and dry. But it, but like you said, it's that it's that next movement. It's we, building. Everybody's everybody has a plan now, and they're moving.
2: Mm-hmm. We have um, a prophecy. even. We have a
0: prophecy mm-hmm. even, and you know we're kind of starting to see that there's a a good guy and there's a bad guy, and that. They're picking their
1: teams. There's basically black or white forces. Yep. Right. And, and it's they're like, picking where their teams. Where are they gonna? Yep. Right. And it's so. interesting to see how that fight's gonna play out and like what they're gonna do mm-hmm. to like stop each other. And that's the other thing too that really makes me feel like that Randall Flag must have done this intentionally, or else somebody must have done this intentionally. But I wanna, I hope we find out. And if we don't, I'll write it. I'll figure it there out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. My name's Autumn Mullins. Kim Payne. And this has been my first time through, and we hope you enjoyed your first time through.
0: And make sure you join us next week for chapters 41 through 50
1: of The Stand. We're still reading The Stand. Otto, Kim, that was incredibly interesting. Great job today. If you would like to support First Time Through, you can follow us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, or send us an email at firsttimethroughpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash first time through to get exclusive early access, to get exclusive videos, and to become our exclusive friends. If that's interested to you. I'm interested.
0: First Time Through, New Eyes on Castle Rock, is produced by Empty Theater Productions, It's created by Kim Payne and Otto Mullins, editing by Otto Mullins, music by Jason Rager, Art by Kurt Payne at Who Knew Art.